Today, amplified concerns signal further market falls ahead. Hello again, it's Martin North from Digital Finance Analytics. Well, that is post covering finance and problem news with a distinctively Australian flavour. Well, in this week's market review, as normal, we'll start in the US, a lot going on there. Look across Europe and Asia and end in Australia. Because we are now well past recent market highs, especially in the US. And the bounce from the start of the year really does look like a sucker's bet more and more as the second longest series of weekly declines since last May hits home. After a strong January, stocks have retreated this month as a slew of economic data amplified worries that the US central bank will have to keep rates higher for longer as inflation looks to be hotter. And now the Core Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, or the Core PCE Deflator, which is the Fed's preferred inflation metric, gained 4.7% year-over-year in January, topping economic forecasts of 4.3%. Beyond that, there is a critical issue to talk about too, and that is overextended valuations. One signal is the PEG, or PEG ratio, devised by Peter Lynch of Fidelity Investments some years ago. It uses the market's price earnings multiple divided by its forecast growth rate. The higher it is, the more expensive shares are. And right now, at about 1.8, based on longer-term estimates, the indicator is, well, flashing red. Stretched multiples at a time of stiffening Federal Reserve resolve to whip inflation now is a cocktail investor's have wanted no part in in February. Over a holiday-shortened week that concluded with an unexpected acceleration in the central bank's preferred inflation gauge, the S&P 500 slid 2.7%, extending a downdraft that risks erasing all of the 2023 gains. Valuations do seem stretched on most earnings multiples, but when you insert the level of growth and the fact that growth is slowing, they look even more stretched, said Peter Van Dujewaard, head of multi-asset solutions at Man Solutions. Either the Fed needs to pivot and rates have to come down, or when the Fed pivots, earnings will resume a very strong growth trajectory. Those are both pretty big things to wish for, he said. Since peaking earlier this month, the S&P 500 has raised more than half of a year-to-date gain that at one point reached nearly 10%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average has already wiped out all of its 2023 advance after falling four weeks in a row. The retreat is a moment of reckoning for bulls, who've defied falling profits and rising rates to bid up shares. At 18 times profits, the S&P 500 is trading just slightly above its 10-year average. Yet when stacked next to a wave of profit downgrades, the picture is less reassuring. Amid mounting concerns over an economic recession, Wall Street analysts are cutting profit forecasts and the expected rate of income growth for 2023 has turned negative, down from a positive projection almost 10% back in June last year. It's not just for this year that earnings sentiment is souring either. Forecast profits for the next three to five years have seen a broad reduction, with the pace of expansion shaved by half since the start of 2022, according to recent data from Yardini Research. At the centre of the downgrades are concerns that the post-pandemic boom, driven by unprecedented government stimulus and a swift shift to online spending, is unsustainable. 
the worsening growth outlook has led to a relentless surge in the PEG ratio. As it stands now, based on long-term profit forecasts, the S&P 500 is roughly 20% more expensive than it ever was during the internet bubble. And the current nosebleed level of valuations seen in the US PEG ratio is a result of the growth long-term EPS rug being pulled out from under investors. Albert Edwards, the notoriously glum Global Strategist Society General, wrote in a note this last week. This all means that the current PE of around 18 times is very vulnerable, and not just against sharply higher cash bond yields, but Tina is dead and buried, he said, referring to the abbreviation for there is no alternative to buying stocks. Theoretically, stretch valuations are no hurdle for equities as long as corporate profits are able to catch up. Whether that will happen again this time, of course, is the biggest question facing equity investors today. Since June, the S&P 500 has been mostly stuck in an 800-point band, creating headaches for bulls and bears alike. But it doesn't stop the spruiking, and there are many people still trying to encourage less experienced buyers back into the market. Of course, they're trying to offload stock to you, so be careful. Over the stretch, the index closing price averaged at 3000 939, which is just about 30 points away from where it was on Friday. With the benchmark gauge surging as much as 17% from its October low, some market watchers have viewed the rebound as the start of a new bull market. To David Dobenium, Chief Investment Officer at CIBC Private Wealth in the US, it's too early to call the all-clear given stocks have yet to start looking like bargains. It didn't say that back in October either, when we had the beginning of this market rally, he said. So to me, we have not seen that capitulation phase that every bear market has where investors throw in the towel, give up hope, and you get a market that looks objectively inexpensive. We're not there yet. Now, data on Friday showed the personal consumption expenditures price index, which is the Fed's preferred inflation gauge, shot up 0.6% last month, after gaining just 0.2% in December. Consumer spending, which accounts for more than two-thirds of US economic activity, jumped 1.8% last month, exceeding forecasts for a 1.3% rise. So US consumer spending increased by the most in nearly two years in January amid a surge in wage gains, while inflation accelerated, adding to financial market fears that the Federal Reserve could continue raising interest rates into the summer. And remember, as I reported last week, much of this spending is driven by massive rises in consumer debt. And the report from the Commerce Department on Friday was the latest indication that the economy was nowhere near a much-dreaded recession. It joined data earlier this month that showed robust job growth in January and the lowest unemployment rate in more than 53 years. Clearly, tighter monetary policy has yet to fully impact consumers and shows that the Fed has more work to do in slowing down aggregate demand, said Jeffrey Roach, chief economist at LPL Financial. This report all but ensures the Fed will continue it on its rate hiking campaign for a lot longer than markets anticipated just a few weeks back. Consumer spending, which accounts for more than two-thirds of US economic activity, shot up 1.8% last month. That was the largest increase since March 2021. And data for December was revised higher to show spending dipped 0.1% instead of falling 0.2% as previously reported. 
When adjusted for inflation, consumer spending increased 1.1%, also the biggest gain since March 21. The so-called real consumer spending had declined in November and December. Consumers boosted purchases of long-lasting manufactured goods like motor vehicles, household furnishings and equipment, as well as recreational goods and vehicles. And they also bought clothes. Goods outlays rebounded 2.8% and spending on services was also stronger, up 1.3% as Americans frequented restaurants and bars. And there were increases in spending on healthcare, recreation and transportation services. The overall surge in spending came as wages and salaries jumped 0.9%. And an 8.7% cost of living adjustment, the biggest increase since 1981, for more than 65 million Social Security beneficiaries offset a drop in government social benefits. That reflected the expiration of the extended child tax credit. Spending, though, was probably likely flattered also by difficulties ironing out seasonal fluctuations from the data at the start of the year. In fact, some economists expect payback in February. Nevertheless, the strong performance put consumer spending on a higher growth path at the start of the first quarter, and consumer spending slowed in the fourth quarter, with most of the losses in momentum happening in the last two months of 2022. And also US consumer sentiment, meanwhile, hit a 30-month high in February, according to the latest survey by the University of Michigan, that showed Americans more optimistic about spending at a time the Fed actually needs them to show restraint. The data, together with another Commerce Department report showing new home sales jumping 7.2% in January, prompted Goldman Sachs to raise its first quarter gross domestic product tracking estimate by 0.4 points to 1.8% annualised. And the economy grew at 2.7% in the fourth quarter. Jason Pride, Chief Investment Officer of Private Wealth at Glenmead, said previous market cycles had witnessed similar delayed reactions by the market to raising interest rates and data releases, which helps explain volatile trading patterns as investors slowly adjust. This market has not yet realised the likelihood of recession that we think is a reality, he said, noting past rate hikes normally had taken between 6 and 18 months before their effects had fully filtered through into the economy. We don't think a recession is a given, but there's a higher likelihood than the market is embedded in its thought processes, he said. Traders of futures tied to the Fed's policy rate added to bets of at least three more rate hikes this year, with a peak rate seen in the range of 5.25 to 5.5% by June, while our baseline for the Fed still looks for a 5.25% terminal rate at the May meeting, we do flag a notable upside risk for a higher terminal rate of 5.75% by July, TD Securities said in the note. The PCE report shows that the Fed needs to do a little more, Loretta Mester, Fed President for the region of Cleveland, said in comments carried by Bloomberg. It's gratifying that inflation declined from its peak, but more is needed. The Fed should raise interest rates higher than necessary, if need be, to get inflation fully under control. And President Joe Biden, in a statement released by the White House, concurred. Today's report shows we've made progress on inflation, but we have more work to do. So the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 1.02% to 32,817. The S&P 500 lost 1.05% to 3,970. And the Nasdaq Composite dropped 1.69% to 11,394. Mega CAC stops, including Tesla, Amazon, and NVIDIA 
all slid between 1.6 and 2.6% as Treasury yields rose. The yield on the two-year Treasury note, which of course are highly sensitive to Fed policy, climbed to 4.8136%. That's the highest in nearly four months. And Treasury yields added to recent gains following the data with the 10-year inching closer to 4%, spiking a rout in rate-sensitive sectors of the economy, including tech. Boeing slid 4.8% after the Federal Aviation Administration said the plane maker temporarily halted for deliveries of its 787 Dreamliner jets. Adobe sank 7.6% on reports the US Justice Department would block the Photoshop maker's $20 billion bid for cloud-based design platform Figma. The decline in Adobe's stock was the largest since September the 15th, the day the Figma agreement was announced. Netflix, meanwhile, continued to add to losses from a day earlier, even as some of Wall Street believed the streaming giant's recent announcement to cut subscription prices by 20% to 60% in over 30 countries could boost growth. While on the surface these are significant price reductions, we believe that the impact to total revenue will be relatively limited given already low ARPUs across those territories, Bank of America said in the note. And on the earnings front, Beyond Meat reported a narrower-than-expected loss in the fourth quarter, driven by cost cuts, and said it was on track to churn out positive cash flow in the second half of the year, sending its share price soaring 10%. UBS said Beyond Meat remains a show-me story and pointed to concerns about the company's ability to improve the sales trajectory in a meaningful way, especially if the economic environment deteriorates further. And Carvana fell 20% after the used vehicle e-commerce platform reported a much wider loss than expected amid rising costs and higher interest rates. Carvana forecasts sales volumes to continue to decline in the first quarter as it continues its transition to right-size its business following an aggressive growth strategy in the pandemic. This transition period may last for a couple of years before it can refocus on top-line growth, Deutsche Bank said in the note, after cutting its price target on the stock to $10 from 16 Elsewhere, oil bulls turned a losing week into a neutral one by leveraging an unverified report about deep production cuts planned by Russia to send crude prices up in a second day in a row, despite US inflation data suggesting the US Federal Reserve could turn aggressive again on rate hikes. That was a day after the Energy Information Administration, or EIA, said that US crude stockpiles rose for a ninth straight week, adding a cumulative 60 million barrels to infantries since the end of last year. Those long oil, however, ignored both the inflation and imagery data, remaining wide-eyed over a Reuters report that Russia will cut crude exports from its western ports by up to 25% in March. Actually, in context, the cut was way above the 5% reduction in output announced by Deputy Prime Minister Alexander Novak two weeks ago. If true, it would be significant, but more than 24 hours after it appeared, the report remained unproven with no comment or verification from a single official in Moscow. Yet oil bulls managed to turn around the initial market slump on Friday by hedging on the so-called production cut story to buy every price dip triggered by the heady inflation in the PCE data. The dollar hit a seven-week high against a basket of major currencies on the back of expectations that the Fed will resort to more hawkish monetary action amid the hotter inflation in the US. New York traded WTI for April delivery settled at 1.41% to 76.47 per barrel. Earlier in this session, it had fallen 
by about $1.28. But after the turnaround, the US crude benchmark finished the week down just two cents, practically flat. And Brent for April delivery settled up 95 cents or 1.2% at $83.22. Brent fell as much as $1.12 earlier in the session for the week. The global crude benchmark finished up 13 cents or nearly flat too. It's what you call the buy on Friday so you can sell on Monday syndrome, said John Kidloff, partner at New York Energy Hedge Fund, again capital. This was a trait we used to see regularly last year when supply was at severe threat in the early days of the Ukraine invasion and sanctions on Russia. Now we have enough prompt oil supply in the US to be swimming in it. He added, the bulls, of course, want to revert to the undersupplied mantra. And this unverified report on Russian cuts has given them just the right cover for that. I doubt the long side of oil can keep doing this if risks to the economy for inflation keep growing. And Ed Moyer, analyst at online trading platform Onya, had a similar view. The risk that the Fed will have to send the economy into recession are growing, he said. It is getting ugly on Wall Street as risk aversion runs wild and that could keep oil prices heavy. European stock markets were down following the higher US PCE data. The DAX in Germany slid 1.72% to 15,209, while the CAC 40 in France fell 1.78% to 7,187, and the FTSE in the UK fell 0.37% to 7,878. Data released earlier on Friday showed that UK consumer confidence rebounded in February, with the GFK Consumer Confidence Index climbing 7 points to minus 38. While this is still close to the historic lows triggered by the cost of living crisis, it still represented a 10-month high. The forward-looking German GFK Consumer Climate Index also improved to minus 30.5 in March from minus 33.8 the previous month, while in France, the February consumer confidence figure came in at 82 points, down from a revised figure of 83 for January, but that had previously been given up at 80. German growth was less encouraging, though, as the Eurozone's largest economy contracted 0.4% in the final quarter of last year, which resulted in just 0.3% annual growth. However, those numbers are historic, and business activity numbers in 2023 have been a bit more optimistic, so we'll see. The outlook for the world is slightly brighter at the beginning of 2023 than what we had thought it would be just two or three months ago, OECG Secretary General Matthias Cormann said on Friday, adding the inflation challenges remain. Well, he might be a bit behind the eight ball, given the most recent news. In the corporate sector, BASF stock fell 3.8% after Europe's biggest chemical firm announced a 12% drop in earnings in 2022 and also said it would be ending a share buyback program ahead of time and planned to cut 2,600 positions, about 2% of its global workforce, to try and cut costs. IAG stock fell 2.7%, despite the owner of British Airways returning to profit in 2022, adding that profits would grow again this year. It also agreed on Thursday to pay 400 million euros to Spain's Global Air for the remaining 80% of airline Air Europea. It did not already own. And by the way, gold futures slid 0.48% to 1,817, while the euro-US dollar dropped 0.45% to 1.0545. Now, in Asia, most stock markets sank on Friday as uncertainty over US monetary policy triggered sharp losses in technology stocks, while Japan's Nikkei index rallied 
as the incoming head of the Bank of Japan vowed to maintain ultra-loose policy. The Nikkei 225 actually jumped 1.3% after economist Keizo Yidi, who is set to take over as the BOJ governor in April, said that he largely intends to hold interest rates at ultra-low levels in the near term. Speaking during a parliamentary session, he said that while the bank will eventually tighten policy, the Bank of Japan will keep conditions accommodative to support economic growth in the near term. Still, data showed on Friday that Japanese consumer inflation rose to an over 41-year high in January. Rising inflation may eventually force the bank's hand and is expected to crimp economic growth. Most other Asian stocks fell on Friday, with technology-heavy exchanges retreating the most. Hong Kong's Hang Seng index slumped 1.68%, driven by an over 4% loss in Alibaba Group Holdings. While Alibaba logged a stronger-than-expected quarterly revenue, Growth was still at its worst level since 2013, as it grapples with a slowdown in its key Chinese market. Losses in Alibaba also rappled other major regional techs, with South Korea's Kospi losing 0.6%, while the Taiwan Weighted Index fell 0.4%. But gains in Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Corp helped the country's benchmark rise 0.6% this week, following a positive outlook on chip demand from NVIDIA. China's Shanghai Composite shed 0.62% on Friday, though it's up for the week, and India's Nifty 50 index rose 0.3% in early trade, but then lost 2.1% across the whole week. Now, in Australia, an upgrade by Brambles to the full-year profit outlook helped Australian shares to a 0.3% rise on Friday. The S&P ASX 200 put up 21.6 points to 7,307, and the all odds rose by the same to 7,512 points. Shares lost 0.5% in the biggest week of the half-year earnings season, though. Brambles is projecting revenue growth of between 12 and 14%, underlying profit growth of between 15 and 18%, and free cash flow after dividends to improve in financial year 2022, but remain an outflow. The business declared an interim dividend of $12.25 US, up 40%, and partially franked, and the stock closed at $12.97, up 7.5%. Afterpay parent Block rallied 5.9% to 115.31. Block's adjusted EBITDA was 281 million US dollars in the fourth quarter. That exceeded the 184 million in the fourth quarter of 2021. And Link reported a statutory net loss. $410.1 million, the business declared a dividend at 4.5 cents per share, up from 3% per share. Iron ore traded in Singapore, down 1.2% on the March contract, 206.13 a tonne, and BHP Group dropped 1.6% to 45.94. Pilbara Minerals has declared its maiden dividend of 11 cents a share, following a 1.24 billion first half profit, and it added 1.1% to $4.53. And Mineral Resources reported net profit of $390 million across its diversified business, signaling an interim dividend of $1.20 a share. Minres lost 0.1% to $84.91. Westpac Chief Economist Bill Evans has increased his forecast for the RBA's terminal rate to 4.1% from 3.85%. Our new forecast now has Australia's tightening cycle peaking around six weeks before the US cycle, he said, and it's worth noting the other major banks are also upping their terminal forecasts.
Westpac was up slightly on Friday to $22.67. CBA rose 1.32% to $101.22. ANZ rose 0.12% to $24.79. And NAB rose 0.3% to $29.85. And Macquarie was up slightly to $188.91. And in crypto land, Bitcoin came back a bit down 3.16 percent to 23,190 as the US markets fell while ether was down 2.56 percent to 1608 so crypto remains firmly anchored to US markets so the question is where to from here well I'll be watching the Nasdaq because if it continues to fall towards say 10,500 that will be a signal of significant further corrections ahead whereas if it were to climb consistently above 12,000 then the story might be different. But sitting at 11,394 and with the VIX at 2167, it's time to hang on to your hats because earnings are just not there to support such extended valuations, period. I'm Martin North from Digital Finance Analytics. Many thanks for watching and I'll see you again next time.